May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, sometimes I overhear well-meaning people say something like, you know, I'm cool with Jesus, I love the New Testament where it's all grace and love and mercy, but I can't get down with the Old Testament where it's endless lists of rules and punishment meted out by an angry God. It always makes me wonder when I hear people say this, have you met my friend Mark, the gospel writer? We've been reading him nearly the whole time that I've been here, right? My New Testament professor liked to say that uh, if Gospels had equivalents in movie forms, uh, Mark's would be the Blair Witch Project. The camera swings wildly and urgently from place to place. The people are all afraid, have no idea what's going on. The mood is dark and foreboding all the way through, even to the very end. You know the resurrection scene in Mark is two women who approach the empty tomb and meet a mysterious stranger who terrifies them so badly that they run away and tell no one. The end. Sit down and read it one day, all the way through. It won't take you long. It's only 16 chapters, and you'll see what I mean. Mark's gospel in particular, you have Jesus taking these endless lists of rules I mentioned from the Hebrew scriptures, the only Bible that they had, and making them harder, as in impossibly harder. The thing about the law, the Torah, is that there was always a way to make something right when something had gone wrong, through payment, restitution, exile, I mean, yeah, sometimes through execution, too, an eye-for-an-eye sort of deal. But there was, in the law, this, this release valve for the community when something went wrong. For instance, uh, when the, scrib- the Hebrew scriptures, they, they forbid sex outside of marriage, and they prescribed various ways of righting that wrong when it occurred. But Mark turns it up about 4,000 degrees, and says, if you look at a woman with lust, then you have committed adultery. If you wrote a bad check, the law has ways for you to repay and re-enter the community whole. But last week, Mark gave us the command to chop that arm right off that wrote the check. According to the law, You were required to put aside 10% of your income to the Lord. But next week, Mark will say, everything you have is the Lord's. Let it all go or you cannot be saved. Every law sharpened to an unbearable point. And by now... Everyone in every church ever has shifted uncomfortably in their pews. Someone uh, saw W.C. Fields reading the Bible once and asked what he was doing, and he said, looking for loopholes. (laughs) Sounds to me like he might have been reading Mark. And it's not just us squirming uncomfortably. I don't know if you noticed. Even the disciples are angry and confused. Look, they'll say, 
next week. Following the law is hard enough, but this is ridiculous. If this is what it takes, who then can be saved? The Pharisees approach Jesus in our gospel today and ask him whether it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Deuteronomy says that to do so, all he needs to is to write her a certificate of divorce. That's that. Thus saith the Lord. No, Jesus says, it's not okay. And he sharpens that devastating point again. The law said it was okay because of your hardness of heart. But divorce tears apart what God joined together. To divorce and remarry is to commit adultery. Don't. Man, is there anyone who wants to hear this on a beautiful, cloudless Sunday morning in October? Not one of us in this room does. Divorced people children of divorce, parents of children who divorce, friends who've walked hurting friends through divorce, no matter if it was like messy or, you know, the rare amicable one, or all the folks whose lives have literally been saved by a divorce. We are all here listening to this this morning. There is no one, I don't think, who is untouched by this. Maybe Like me, you've heard a lot of sermons over the years that explain how marriage was very different back then, and it was. Marriage was primarily a contractual agreement, women were property, divorce almost assuredly meant the woman's ruin due to the legal abandonment of the man who simply wanted another. Maybe you've heard it all, and maybe that sharpened point still digs right into the soft flesh of your heart. You know, that feeling, maybe that's a good thing. For my part, I never want you to walk away from a sermon feeling like the wild and demanding sayings of Jesus are any less than wild and demanding. We are in the most trouble as humans, as far as I'm concerned, when our hearts are unable to be moved, when that point doesn't reach us. It's part of the reason Jesus speaks like this, I think, to get past all of the built-up defenses and excuses and walls that we make against him. Jesus even says that the reason the divorce provision is in the law is because people's hearts are hard. They break things, and then they pay the right fee or fill out the right form and move on with their lives untouched. This is the point Jesus keeps trying to make. The law was failing at something essential. It existed to break open our calcified hearts Do this thing, make these things right, keep these rules, and your heart will be open to God and made flesh again. But in reality, the opposite just seemed to keep happening. The law tries to keep your greed in check by telling you to give up money. But greed persisted. And Jesus says greed is way more like losing sight of everything 
that truly matters in life. The law said that the violence of your anger would result in a corresponding fine for the destruction of property. But Jesus says anger itself is deeper down and more like the fire of hell consuming the tender of your goodness, your thoughts and dreams, night and day. Divorce, the ending of a relationship, feels so much more like being ripped in half than the law's version of a simple piece of paper from a judge. No one gets off clean in Mark, because none of us are. The angry are grouped with the murderous, the stingy and the selfish equated with thieves, the monogamous person in a committed lifelong relationship who once looked on another with lust is grouped with the divorced who are grouped with the adulteress. In Mark, there is no high horse to be found. Maybe this isn't the most heartwarming news to you, but it seems honest to me, at least, that no matter how good or clever, or faithful, or smart you are, things just seem to fall apart. Relationships, institutions, your best intentions, no one's fault, and and everyone's fault at the same time. Jesus, the Son of God, takes on flesh and goes into the confusion and darkness with us. We say every Sunday that he descended to the dead. I take this to mean more than dead people, but dead places as well. He descends past every hardened and calcified surface and every hurtful thing that made it that way. He brings it up, back from the dead, and says, a child's heart is still within you soft and beating with the life of God. Uncover it. Care for it. This, too, can be made new. 